Yo, I'm Eric Tarnberg. Welcome to another episode of Maker Stories, where we explore what makes the makers, what drives them, what they're scared of, how they make sense of the world, and everything in between. This week's episode is with Ryan Leslie. Ryan is one of the most interesting rappers and artists in the music industry, period. One of the smartest. He graduated from Harvard at age 20. Uh, has Grammy-nominated songs, including one with Kanye West, and recently created the Superphone, which is a venture-backed startup from Ben Horowitz, Betaworks, and many others. We talk about Ryan's story coming up in the rap game and the tech game, the future of the music industry, how he thinks about building his audience, capturing value from that audience, and much more. Uh, this is a fantastic episode, and it was a ton of fun. All right, here's Ryan. So first off, man, the album has just launched. This is the fifth studio album? Man, what's so interesting about this album is it's actually the sixth. It's my sixth and final because I just changed my entire music model to a song a month for the rest of my life. For the rest of your life? Well, until I retire from the game. <laughs> uh, t- tell me about that, man. How, how, did that, how did that come about? Yeah, so I've been having a lot of conversations around the the record. I mean, first of all, back in 2013, I had the bravery, if you will. I mean, most people I've spoken to told me I must be very brave because I decided to, you know, go direct. And what's interesting about me going direct is that potentially a large number of people who I would lose by going direct, by not being on iTunes. Uh, but what I was finding is that I just had a, a, a serious issue with the fact that I was getting iTunes statements and just seeing just thousands and thousands of albums being sold. And I couldn't log into iTunes and, and see who those people were, where they lived, you know, uh, get any insight. And so I had to do all this canvassing across my socials, Twitter analytics, YouTube analytics, Facebook analytics. And there was really just simply no correlation between the sales and the, 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 the following, you know, and there was no way for me to say, okay, if, you know, Ryan's music lover one, two, five on Twitter, there was no way for me to know if she actually bought my album, you know? And so in 2013, I said, look, I'm going to go direct, not because I don't think iTunes is convenient for my consumers, but I'm going to go direct just because I'm on a crusade to say thank you. So I want to go and say thank you for everyone. And then I just decided like, okay, well, this is cool and everything. And I, I thought I had the whole game figured out. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going on a long tangent, but let's, let's take it back to the beginning. I was signed to Universal Records, the biggest record company in the world. Signed to Universal Records, first album, 180,000 copies out the gate. Second album, 60,000 copies. The question to the marketing department when we sold only a third of the albums was, oh, well, I thought my audience was growing. I thought, you know, now that Universal Records has spent all these, you know, potentially millions of dollars on marketing me, how is it that I can come out and only sell a third of the albums? And they said, well, you know, maybe it's the music. It's just, you know, the music isn't right. What do you think happened? And then, well, I, 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 what's crazy is 
that second album got nominated for a Grammy. So, you know, in my opinion, at least the Recording Academy thought the music was okay, was all right. So, so I, you know, not exactly sure, but what I do know is this. When I asked them why wasn't the first line of offense in marketing, why wasn't that first line of offense to simply email everyone who bought my first album? That sounds like that would be a great marketing plan. <laughs> yeah. And they just said, well, we, you know, we don't have those emails. I said, we're, I mean, you, you don't. We're, we're in uh, 2009. You know, we're in, you know, we're, we're in 2009. Like, you know, we're, we're, people are operating at that level. I mean, Jeff Bezos can email all of his Amazon customers. Drew Houston can email all of his Dropbox customers. And the list goes on and on and on. So how come... Universal Records can't email all of its music consumers. And then, you know, I just started to understand up to that point, I was just an artist running around New York City chasing girls, late night studio sessions, and leaving my music in the custody of, you know, the big record label to which I was signed. And then eventually I said, look, you know, will y'all let me off the label? Because I, I feel like there's a better way. And so I thought I had it all figured out. I thought that, you know, it would just be as simple as, yo, as soon as I own my audience and I know my customers, everything is going to be fine. And this album right here and the release of this album and, you know, we're releasing it straight, you know, directly to my fan base. No fanfare, no, you know, late night television and rollouts to Vivo and MTV and television. It's just, you know, it, it was just a simple email. And finally, for the first time in the history of my career, I could actually send an email to everyone who had bought my previous album. And uh, I learned the hard way, pretty simply. You know, I sent an email to 33,000 people, uh, 13,000 of which actually had bought the album. And maybe it was because it's 4th of July weekend, for whatever reason, 22,000 people, when I'm checking my statistics, 22,000 people didn't even open the email. So I said to myself, okay, well, huh, this is interesting. You know, I thought I had it all figured out. Uh, you know, I had potentially um, miss, uh, how shall I say, I had potentially falsely assumed that everybody who bought my first album was just going to like my, was just going to be so excited to get an email from me that there was a new album out. And what I found is that, you know, there are just some technological constraints that my marketing messages, you know, uh, we, we, we're using or I use MailChimp as a, as, a, as, a, as a means by which to communicate with everybody. I realized that, you know, potentially Google is flagging my email and putting it in the promotions folder. So two things stacked on top of each other. It's a holiday weekend, 4th of July, and also at the same time, you know, my email is in the promotions folder means that it's very possible that people just didn't even see my email. So even though I, you know, even, even though I, um, even though I had built this ecosystem, it, it, in my opinion, when I was looking at the results, now, you know, this has nothing to say about the finances. The finances, you know, are great, you know, as an independent. But just in terms of just my little experiment, I was underwhelmed. 
And so I said, you know what, I'm not interested. You know, I got I got to tighten it up. You know, I got I got to figure out ways that I could actually make this tighter. And so uh, I launched, you know, this was inspired, actually. You know, uh, I have some friends over at Patreon. You know, I have a Patreon page. You know, I got about I think it's around 80 people. They give me twenty seven hundred dollars for every video I post, you know, for my little in studio clips. And um, I was having a conversation uh, with my buddy, Joe Einhorn from Fancy.com. I said, yo, Joe, man, um, my album's coming out. Why don't you feature my record on the homepage of Fancy? You know, can, can I get a feature? And he's my homie. He said, yeah, man, I would feature it. But, you know, an album is really not that interesting. On Fancy, you know, we do interesting products. We do the products that if you had all the money in the world, it doesn't matter the price of the product. It matters how awesome it is, right? Because you can afford anything. So even if it's just a very cool iPhone charging cable, you know, that you had never discovered in your travels or in your normal shopping experience, you know, it didn't matter if it was $100 or $4. If it's just cool, then that's what it is. And he's like, you know, it's not much really that cool. Not, no disrespect to your music, but there's nothing really that cool about an album, you know? And so we got into this idea of actual, of actual access, right? A human being, what is the cost of access to a human being? And he was like, yo, you know, you know you're already kind of doing this. You, you, you have your cell phone number available to everyone in the world. You're building a technology company that allows you to manage all the incoming calls. You're personal address book now is about one-fifth of your Twitter following. I'm at 560 on Twitter. I got 33,000 people in my personal address book. I know that 13,000 of the people in my address book actually bought my last album. So he said, you know, you're actually, what I would, you know, be interested in featuring is I'd be interested in featuring, you know, be friends with Ryan Leslie. How much does that cost? And I said, yo, you know, that's a, that may be at this time, you know, it may be, it may be too overt of a, of a proposition. Uh, and he said, well, you know, they do it, you know, they do it for doctors, they do it for lawyers, you know, this is how much it costs to get a, prof-. but I said, Hey, that's professional, not personal, you know? And so we had that conversation and then I was uh, browsing around on Patreon and I have been following her for a minute. I saw her TED Talk. I saw her Kickstarter raise a million dollars. And then I looked on her Patreon profile and Amanda Palmer was doing $33,000 per thing. I said, I said, what? $33,000 a thing? $33,000 a thing. And what she was doing and the way it's set up is there are different levels at which there are different levels at which you can support Amanda Palmer on Patreon and the highest levels are gated. So they're restricted. So she has, uh, she had a few different pricing levels and I don't, I, I would say, uh, support levels and a few different support levels. And they went, they ranged all the way from a dollar all the way up to a thousand dollars per thing. So that means that, you know, and I'm going to make some exaggerated examples, but that means if she sneezed and recorded it on a voice note and uploaded, 
her fans had committed to give her $33,000 for that. Or if she drew a picture of a cat and uploaded, her fans had made a commitment to support her at that level because they want to support her art. And when I looked at the pricing or the support levels, the $1,000 support level, it says pledge $1,000 or more per thing. And I'm looking like, okay, that's gotta, there has to be some amazing description. You're going to get merchandise. You're going to get you know, backstage action. You're going to get this. And the description was simply, I'll call. We'll talk. We'll have dinner. All the things pretty much. Thank you. Holy shit. And I say, yo, this, is, this might be what Joe was getting at. Like, you know, that you as a fan could actually say, like, look, you know, your music, your your outlook on the world, your approach is so valuable to me in my life that I'll give you, I'll support you and your art at $1,000 per thing. Now, trust me, we've, been, we've done a lot of, we, I, I've been in the space, been in the music industry, produced for everybody. I got songs with Kanye West, you know, I, I mean, all the way, you know, to, you know, log in studio time with Madonna, Lisa Keys, Mary J. Blige, writing songs at the beginning of my career for Beyonce, literally, you know, hanging out and uh, backstage at the Pharrell concert and all kinds of, you know, in Paris with, with B and J. And I mean, and, and this is just to say, not to drop names or anything, but this is just to say that that level of access as I was thinking about it from Joe, that level of access is really just priceless because I don't know if they would ever, I don't know if artists at that level would ever sell that level of access. And I think that there is obviously a huge chasm between how much money has ever been invested in sort of these legacy artists, how much money has ever been invested in Beyonce, how much all if you go all the way back to Destiny's Child, or how much money has ever been invested in Jay Z, if you go all the way back to Reasonable Doubt, right? How much money has been invested to establish them as stars, and so their time is you know ridiculously valuable. I remember when they used to do the big uh, you know billionaires lists. There are there were folks online that would you know they they would uh, they would go and calculate. Hey, Bill Gates made this amount of money. So this is how much he's worth per minute, you know? <laughs> and so, so it all just started to get very, very interesting to me. So Amanda Palmer, if you support her on Patreon, you can support her from a dollar per thing all the way up to a thousand dollars per thing. And I said, man, that's such an incredible model. And, um, you know, at $12 a year, that's how much my fans are paying for an album anyway. So if I gave them a song a month, then great. That's uh, that's 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 twelve dollars a year. So, if they wanted to give me a dollar a month, I'm gonna create a new song. I'm gonna drop it every month, and I'm just gonna make music for the rest of my life for whoever is willing to support it. The the caveat though, and the reason why I ended up going to a subscription model is the fact that when someone is subscribed and committed. Like they already, you know, they put their credit card in, they make that commitment. Yo, I'm going to support Ryan. I don't have to go find them again. The email that I send to them now is just an email that says, yo, thanks for your support. Here go the new song. As opposed to, hey, thanks for all your support. I have a new song. Will you listen to it? Uh, go through the entire friction of the UX bring out your credit card, sign into PayPal and do it again. And so 
subscriptions, you know, for me is really interesting. And what's even more interesting is that, uh, you know, I'm able to really get a gauge on how important or how much I mean to certain members of my supportive community. Does this mean the album as we know it is, uh, is outdated and not the best, you know, way to, to reach and monetize an audience? Uh, well, I would talk about an album. Now, an album, like a lot of people, you know, I've had some feedback from my fans. So my album is very much firmly rooted in my experience over the last two years being interested in being a pioneer and a blueprint for the future. Now, the album in and of itself, I think we've seen a few experiments. Look at Wu-Tang's album. I, I, you know, I followed the story for a bit. I would have to go check and see whether or not they actually sold their album, one copy of their album for a million plus. Um, had, had they actually sold it? I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe you know. But, uh, you know, I know it was for sale. One album, one physical copy for a million dollars. And then I also know that I work very closely with a good friend of mine, a partner, my homie from, you know, L.A., California, Nipsey Hussle. And he said, you know, uh, my album is worth $1,000 a copy for whoever wants to pay me $1,000 per copy, you know. And I think you would be surprised that the people who actually sprung for that album all the way from just a diehard fan all the way up to, you know, a prominent tech CEO, you know. Uh, and so I think the album from a in terms of a, a body of work and a complete thought, I really very much, uh, you know, th like I said, it's my sixth album. So. I'm a huge believer in the album, as, and uh, but from a monetization standpoint, uh, I believe in uh, I, I believe in, in 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 fans or supporters that you I believe in supporters that you actually have can exchange a good great deal of value with. I believe in them making a commitment to you for life. And, uh, you know, I, I know I'm a, you know, when it comes to Jay or Ye or artists, I really, or Stevie Wonder artists, I really, uh, really, really respect. I have no problem making a commitment to them for life. I remember being in my dorm room in college and listening to Stevie Wonder and going and getting all his entire back catalog and just listening to it over and over and say, you know, and I mean, you know, maybe that's not fair because uh, you can't say, oh, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, they're just like extreme outliers of just incredible awesomeness, right? But in any case, I, I was willing to and am, content, you know, still very committed to making, uh, you know, uh, being a supporter for life, for whatever they create, you know? Uh, I was just going to say this crossover you mentioned between, you know, your work being appreciated by tech CEOs and, and, you know, people who really get, uh, you know, really get music has been common throughout your life. You know, you, like you said, you've been working with, with, with Jay, with Ye, with Madonna, you, you went to Harvard, you're one of the first artists to, to really get into tech. And now you have a venture back startup uh, by Ben Horowitz and Betaworks and others. Has this crossover just being able to appeal and understand different groups of people, uh, just been a, how, how did that come about? Have you always had that? Like, what makes Ryan Leslie Ryan Leslie? You know what I mean? 
So always having that, I think, uh, I think, I think my Ben Horowitz story is a, a great illustration of Tell us about how, it. how really removed I am. <laughs> so here I was, I created this. So, so, so my technology is really, uh, very simple. It's a sales and marketing automation tool for me for all the inbound messages that I get. And so basically all I've done is, um, all the inbound traffic that I may get from having a, a, a sizable following on social media, I redirect that to a mobile number. That mobile number is built on the Twilio API. Let me interrupt you for one second. Let me interrupt you for one second. Most rappers don't know what Twilio is. Is that, is that safe to say? Uh, well, I mean, rappers that I've talked to, they know what it is now. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what I, what I mean by that, yeah, I mean, this, the stereotype with, with rappers, though, is that they're not... They're not on top of this. They typically hire managers to take care of it. And sometimes, you know, stereotype unfair or fair, I don't, I don't know, is that they're not like super, super intelligent. But yeah, here you are. You know, you went to Harvard. You're talking tech with the best of them. Does that upset you when people, you know, make those assumptions about rappers or artists? I'm, I'm so far from getting upset around uh, people's reactions. You know, I just, I just do what I do and I do what I can control. And I can control what my output is to the world. And what I found is that, that if I'm adding value to the world, the universe re, you know, reformats itself and provides value back to me. If I'm providing positive vibes, if I'm you know, doing whatever I do to support whatever causes I support, then you know, I'm feeling great. And so I, you know, I, I have very... I will say I got very little time to be upset and worried about people responding and being, you know, and what people actually think because I can be the difference to whatever their stereotype is. I can be the anomaly. And then by being the anomaly and being hopefully an inspirational anomaly, that in and of itself can help to turn the tides and give other young people a a a a bar and a standard to which they can adhere and then you know that in and of itself begins to start to turn the tides and change the perception you know what would you say is your is your guiding philosophy or you know what causes do you most care about oh man uh my, my parents are salvation army officers they're currently at the International Congress right now, 15,000 people at the O2 Arena in London, England. It's, you know, one of the highlights of my mother's life and career. I tried to retire my parents. You know, when I made some money in, when I made some money in music, I said, Hey, why don't you guys, you know, let me get you a house and you can hang out. And, you know, six months in, my mom was, Hey, man, I'm going to, Ryan, I'm going to India to build hospitals. So the Salvation Army, whether people are familiar with it or not, uh, you know, something near and dear to my heart, um, all the way. And then, you know, just by nature, by nature of the fact of, of it being so international everywhere I went and I moved a lot because of it. It's organized like the military. I went to four different high schools in three years due to the Salvation Army moving my family around, but everywhere we went, we could find somewhere on Sundays where we could, because it's a Christian organization where my mother would take my sister and I to go and worship. When we went all the way over to Brussels, Belgium, we could find it. We were in Amsterdam, Legardes Hales. We'd find it, the translation, the, the branding and everything. So it was a super powerful movement. And uh, every Christmas, I haven't missed a Christmas. Every single Christmas, the first six 
hours of the day are, you know, spent in the service of others, you know, and this is just something I've, I've grown up with, you know. Growing up, going to three, you know, three different high schools, um, you know, being super intelligent, obviously, to get into to Harvard, but also having a deep passion for, for hip hop and music in general. Were, were there, t- did you feel, you know, just you're growing up, did you feel different? Did you easily fit in or were you always super confident straddling both worlds? Man, you know what? What's interesting is I didn't really have an issue with fitting in per se because I made it a point to be different. And what I mean by being different is just I I really enjoyed entertaining. I just loved entertaining. And so that made me different and in a strange way made me very accepted you know, so I was the guy that was, you know, you know, either cracking jokes or learning how to do magic tricks, you know, as a young kid, uh, rapping, singing, dancing, you know, all that. And so for whatever reason, because of that, I think there is a, I, 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 I wonder if there's a way to scientifically, uh, you know, describe how you feel when you see someone who is earnestly doing whatever they love doing you know there's a, there's a response a human response that's very basic is very natural you and even it doesn't matter whether it's at the biggest concert of all time or someone that's just on the street singing their heart out you know and I, so i think you know this new album super autobiographical and it just you know it, it tells it tells some of the stories that that i have but what's so beautiful about the way that i'm releasing it as a lifetime album it's 120 songs a song a month for the next 10 years or until i retire or until people decide not to support me anymore is that my story is consistently going to change uh there will be some you know there will be some uh, rupture in the romantic utopia that might make me write a song about heartbreak. There may be some triumphant return to, you know, a city that I love, whether it's Paris or London, that makes me want to write that kind of song. And so as it stands right now, the freedom that I have to, to actually say, look, I, you know, and the, and the self-applied pressure to make sure that I surprise and delight every month with a crazy new song and the ability now that I have to have a platform to release that directly to people who support me. I mean, there are people, just imagine if you went to the iTunes music store and there was a single and the single was $99. How many people would actually buy that single? I'm here to tell you right now that my support group, the group that I've created, the the ecosystem that I put together, the access to which, the access to me that my supporters enjoy, there are folks who want to be that intimately involved in the process that they actually are supporting at $100 a song, making indefinite commitments of $100 a song. That's what I'm talking about. This is, that's what I say. This is the future, living in the future now, being broke is past tense. And I'm not really talking about just because, you know, two mil in the last year of rap music been good to me. You know, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, this is the way forward, I believe. And I believe that when I say, you see, I laid the blueprint so you could replicate. I'm not just doing this for me. Uh, in the time that I've released my album, I've already converted three artists personally, picked up the phone and called them and said, 
I think this is the future. Why don't y'all get on this same wave, you know, subscription based, a dollar a song. Let the people who you really care about and the people who really care about you have that level of access to you. Give them the phone number, text them the new song, text them the update, give them the access. So if you're a $5 a song or up with my album, I'm going to send you a text that says, yo, call into my conference line. And I'm using a technology called Uber Conference. So they can call into the conference line from anywhere in the world and listen into the session. You know, I'm not big, you know, I'm not super big on like, you know, the videos and, and hangouts and everything just because, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the supporters I have around the world, they may not have the luxury of the high speed Internet access that we enjoy here in the States. So the beautiful piece of this is, you know, how do you validate a friendship? Well, you validate a friendship analog style, you know, you validate a friendship analog style. So when Joe was talking about, yo, you should allow people to, you know, to to uh, to be able to put a value on access to you. I'm understanding what that means. It's super crazy. It's awesome, you know? And that's the, the premise of your startup is, is direct access to, uh, to the consumers, have, having all, you know, their information, be able to directly communicate with them. It's not just art, you know, music artists to fans, but it also could be authors, you know, creators and, and makers of, of all kinds, correct? It's everyone. I mean, I would say, I would say this, I, you know, I, I was on Product Hunt and uh, I, I, let me, I, I'm going to tell you right now what the name of the product is. I think it's called Recent or Recents. And it's, it reorganizes your contacts based on the last person to add themselves or that you added or that Google added to your contacts, right? So basically he said, you know, I did this because, you know, I've had too many beautiful nights where, you know, I get wrapped up in the reverie and potential debauchery and I wake up and I say, man, what was the name of that person I met yesterday or whatever? But our, our technology takes it a step further and says, well, what if you actually, what if you actually, yeah, you remember the name and you only took down the name and the phone number, you know, what if the, what if the phone was smart enough to say, Hey, uh, Maria it's cool. We met last night. Um, but I didn't get your, you know, I, I didn't get your last name. Uh, I didn't get your email. What's your Instagram? Just, you know, so basically that's what my phone does. And, you know, everybody can text it right now. I can give you the number. It's also very visibly displayed on Twitter and Instagram, 915-600-6978. Now everyone says, well, why'd you pick a 915 if you're not from Texas? And it's because 6978 spells MZRT. And uh, that's what I was looking for. So that, that's the number that, that, that they actually had. But in any case, 915-600-6978. While you're listening to this right now, go ahead and send me a text. And when you send me a text, if you, if you have never reached out to me before, my phone is smart enough to hit you back and say, yo, uh, thanks for reaching out. But uh, your number came up unknown. Add yourself to my phone right quick. And then once you add yourself to my phone, because I'm transacting directly everywhere, my phone is smart enough to, to, to actually uh, to do a search across all of my direct-to-consumer outlets. So whether that be Pledge Music, shout out to Benji Rogers, who's, who's an investor in DMM, uh, whether that's Gumroad, 
where where I'm where I'm actually selling the new album, whether that's Shopify, where you know I, I've done a bunch of their retail, you know, the, I, I, I've spoken at their retail tour, whether that's uh, you know Patreon. Patreon needs to go ahead and open their API so I can so I can know who my fans are from there. But in any case, it will skim and it will scan all of those places and see whether you've ever transacted with me before. And if you haven't, it'll invite you to. So my phone is literally able to do that. There are three things that I want to know about anyone who stops me. So, you know, I was just down um, down at, at, at the open kitchen, you know, getting myself something to getting myself something some, some, something to eat and somebody stopped me and said, yo, Ryan, I love your music. And I said, what's your name? And they, and they were so taken aback. They said, well, you know, most people just say, oh, okay, what do you want? A picture or whatever. Give them a picture and let them go in their merry way. I am interested in actually knowing the name. I'll take the photo. I asked her to email me the photo or actually send me a text with the photo. And then what I want to know about every single person who stops me on the street are three things. One, who are you? And so when you send me a text, my phone will hit you back with a form that you can fill out to add your details to my phone. Number two, would you like to support what I do? I'm an artist. That's how I make my living. I have a new project. Would you like to support it? And number three, when someone does support, thank you. I really appreciate your support. You don't have to buy music in this climate. You can actually listen to music legally for free. Any music you want, as long as you listen to a few ads, you can listen to it legally for free. So your support means everything to me. Thank you. And I built a system, a phone, a super phone. That's the name of the product. I built a super phone that does that for me at scale. A million people could text me tomorrow. Uh, 15,000 people listening to this podcast could all send me a text. And my phone will very, very simply, methodically, systematically reach back out to everyone. It will invite you to support my latest project. And when you support it, it will send you a personal thank you straight over text. And, and for me, like I said, how do you validate a friendship? Well, you know, we, we, we follow each other on Twitter, Eric, but, you know, besides this conversation, you know, you might reach out on email or whatever. Um, and, you know, the access and validating friendship is, is always analog, man, you know? So if, someone's, if, someone, if, if someone is in high school and says, yo, who's your favorite artist? And some kid says, Ryan Leslie. And some other kid says, Drake. And the kid that says Ryan Leslie is actually able to be like, well, you know, that's cool. That's your favorite artist. But Ryan Leslie's actually my friend. And they say, well, you know, that's, there's no way that's your friend. And he can actually pick up the phone. And if he's at a certain level of support, there's a hotline, there's a, there's a white list, you know, the bat phone. And when he picks up the phone, I answer that validation says, yo, that must be really your homie. And then, like I said, it's really analog because the real validation is someone's your friend when you can get them to show up somewhere, you know? And so when he actually says, yo, man, you know, I'm going to have Ryan show up, you know, he, he's coming to town, he's coming to Detroit, and he's going to show up at the high school after school um, right after, you know, right after his sound check. That's when the real friendship is, you know? And so that's why at, at the top level, at a thousand dollars a song, you can take a ride on my private jet. Come, 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 jump on the PJ with me. You know, just uh, as long as you're going where I'm going, let's let's do that once in a lifetime experience. You know, but, you know, and maybe someone who can afford a thousand dollars a song, maybe they could afford it. 
but the the real beautiful surprise is you know can you could you have ever afforded to do that with one of your favorite artists and have that experience at 30,000 feet you know so yeah that's that's uh that's the vibe what does success look like for you you know in music in tech like where do you want to be in in a few years man <laughs> look uh i'm so fortunate because at an early age i discovered what I feel is my calling. People say, well, what would you have been if you, if you didn't have a, you know, the moderately successful music career that you've had? You know, what would you have been? I said, I would have been a teacher, you know, because I just, and I think I get this from my parents, but I have a deep care for people. I have a deep care for the human experience. And uh, when you ask me about my causes, you know, I have to, I have to I have to I have to be specific about my time and like I said I prefer to invest my time with specific people with specific young people with specific you know ways that I can really 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 dig in and and really add value to a situation until I'm sitting on the you know many many billions of dollars so that you know my money can go and work for me uh or really work on behalf of folks, I feel like the more people I can really change uh, and the more people that I can empower, that really is the measure of success for me. Now tell me, and this is something I think about for myself as Product Hunt has grown and as the people we've had, we've interacted with has grown. As you know, you're interacting with people all the time, does it get harder to, um, to maintain like best friendships? Or like tell me about Tell me about your best friend or like, you know, or like the depth of romantic relationships or, you know what I mean? Like more time for fewer people. Do you have that balance too? Or what do you think about that? Absolutely. You know, my family's, you know, my family's been a huge part of my life for over three decades. So even if I have a great friend, you know, whether it's my co-founder, Nathan, or whether it's, you know, my buddy Rashid Richmond, who helped me mount the first MySpace marketing campaign, which led to my first major success in the music industry. You know, I talk to those, I, these are guys I talk to basically every day, sometimes hours on end, you know. Uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, of course, there's going to be a different level based on, I guess, the value exchange, you know. Uh, you Especially when, you know, even... I've, I've gotten to be friends. Look, one of my lead developers sent me a cold email and said, yo, man, you know, I, I'm a lead developer. You know, I, I'm, I'm highly skilled. And his DNA is all over our product. You know, shout to Brandon Brisbane, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think there's more, more time for there. There's more time for less people. And so what's striking about the Amanda Palmer Patreon profile is that she restricts the $1,000 memberships to four, uh, well, patron level or support levels to four people. And she restricts the $100 support levels to 30 people because she wants it to be genuine. And she's absolutely right, you know? Like, um, I believe in that. So Ben's book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, and a lot of his writings are about managing your own psychology and kind of, you know, the, the rap and hip-hop, an artist world is very different from the startup world in terms of in terms of ego, in terms of and maybe in some ways it's kind of similar. But 
how have you <laughs> <laughs> how have you thought about like managing your own psych like how do you make sure that your ego doesn't get in the way of of what you're doing and and what you're trying to achieve oh man uh mm, well when you are considerate of the human experience and plight of others and you wake up every day with a mindset of service uh, that 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 really puts you in a different it, it, it puts you in a different mindset uh, it puts you in a different vibe you're on a different wave when you're in the mindset of service and like I said growing up and coming up my parents it's something that's so deeply ingrained in the way that they lead their lives. They sacrificed everything in the service of others. You know, they raised a family of four on $800 a month, you know, stipend from the Salvation Army, you know. So when you are able to do that, when you're able to, like I said, wake up every day, you know, so the stuff that I'm writing about, stuff I'm talking about is so real to me. And I'm hoping that it's inspirational. You know, if you, if you, whatever you're doing, you get in the gym, you put this record on and say, look, I'm not going to break down. I'll never give up. And here's a guy that's telling you how to, how to get it, you know? And so I think, you know, there needs to be a certain level of ego there. You know, you had to, you have to have that saying you, you're in the mindset of service, but my mindset of service and the ego that drives that is like, look, I'm going to create the best tool. I'm going to create the best solution for the pain point that I feel. And I'm going to bring them, you know, whether or not I've been doing this for two years. When people finally wake up, I'm living in the future already. I'll show you how to get it. I'll show you how to, I'll show you how to manage Everything that you feel is overwhelming. I can do it because I'm doing it right now. No label, no manager, no music videos on my last project straight off the iPhone up to Millie. You know what I mean? Uh, gross, you know, because I spent a lot of money, you know, on tour and, you know, you know, living, just living. <laughs> but in any case, two Millie gross on a record that only did 13,000 sales. Those numbers are unheard of in the music industry. And I can show you how to get to them. You know, do labels and exist in five years, in 10 years? In yeah, years? of course. Of course they do. You know, I'm gonna have a label. Uh, so I, I talked to Anthony Sala and, uh, you know, Ant and Nas, you know, Ben was so gracious enough to, you know, kind of introduce us. And when I first talked to him about the concept, he said, yo, why, man, it's cool and everything, man, but artists want to be signed. And that stuck with me because as I started to listen to artists and sit down with them, you know, I just, uh, record labels 100%, I feel like are, are ridiculously valuable. I think that in the current, uh, I think, like I said, you know, don't you see this money from these labels too expensive? I would say that a record company isn't necessarily the way to get money. However, the access, the relationship is still very much an old boys network. It's musical chairs at the top of the music industry. You know, the same folks have been there for a long time and they will be for a long time. And the future is really in the ownership of your audience because then you get to, then you get to cut the deals with the sponsors. 
You get to cut the deals with the venues. You get to cut the deals with, you know, the merchandise companies because you have a level of insight. You have a level of transparency to the real number of people that are willing to transact with you. I think there's so much sort of emphasis on, you know, validation in social platforms. You graduated in 2002, 2001? No, I graduated all the way back in 98, man. It's funny, if you were there just a few years later, you could you know, you could have overlapped with the Facebook community and who, who knows what you would have been doing since. Yeah, that's true. What would you tell your 22-year-old self and go back in time? Yeah, well, I would just tell him to listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast. Uh, my 19-year-old self or 22-year-old self uh, you know, 19 or 20 years old coming out of Harvard. What I would do is I would take the money that I made cleaning toilets at Harvard and I would go and either get myself, you know, if it, if it was a good week, I'd get myself an Amtrak ticket. And if it was a less than stellar week, I would take the Chinatown bus from Boston to New York City. Then I would get to New York City, I have my little CD and I would stand outside uh you know and i you know i still see this today people standing outside in universal records hoping that some a and r is going to pass by and you can pass them the cd pray to your lucky stars that you know they listen to it and call you back and you put your phone number on the cd right and someone gave me a ring uh not gave me a ring but sent me a text and said yo man you know i i joined up to your music club and I've reached out to you three times on text. And, you know, what do I have to do to get a response? I said, oh, well, you know, here, you got your response. What's up? And he said, well, I want to submit some beats to you. And I said, well, I got a beat club. And he had written back and said, well, you know, $35 is kind of steep. You know, how come you can't just listen to my beats for free? I, I, I said to that kid who's basically a 19-year-old version of myself, when you can find opportunities to make very, very guaranteed investments in yourself, then go ahead and make them. And, and investments include time, you know, make that investment in yourself, you know. So for that kid that reached out to me, make that investment in yourself. It's a guaranteed investment. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you my undivided. I'm listening to your beats and give you feedback. That's an incredible investment to make. Uh, go to the gym every day, you know, make that investment in your health and your life. Go to, uh, you know, go to Code Academy, learn how to code, you know. And that's something I definitely would tell anybody, you know, any young person that's listening, that's a language, that's a universal language, you know, that's a language we all speak as technology entrepreneurs, you know, you know, figure that out because you want to be able to, you want to be able to actually be able to make something happen, you know, when you can talk. But how, how do you popularize learning how to code and, and GitHub and, and Twilio when, you know, to people who are only interested in like in Big Sean or in Rich Homie Kwan or in something like, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the way you popularize it is you got to be the new example or I got to be the new example. And I'm not going to be able to do it without listeners, without the people who are listening to this podcast and saying, you know what, we do need to support this cat because, you know, what he's talking about is real. You know, he's he's on that real. We we got to support him because as long as he could be the example and as long as he's going to be a good custodian of the platform that we give to him, then, yeah, it's cool to support him. And so I believe 100%. When I see Matt Mullenweg, you know, uh, 
financially backing the Childish Gambino tour, I know that there are others besides Ben, besides John Borthwick, besides, you know, Paul Judge and, you know, Eric Moore and, you know, Taj Clayton and, you know, Linda Bernardi and all the people that came and invested in DMM. I know that there are others who say, you know what, why don't we go ahead and give this guy a platform, you know? And, uh, hey, you know, straight up, man, you know, um, you know, shout out to the big homie, you know, the Uncle Snoop Dogg. You know, he had 543 upvotes on Product Hunt, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm vastly, uh, you know, younger, newer in the game than a legend of his stature, you know. But that's what I'm saying is that, you know, there's a new generation. There, there's a new generation. There is a new, I say, is a, you know, new school rules. Um, but you could give that platform. And so when people see success you know, my homie Nate, uh, my co-founder, he said, yo, people always want to run with the winner. So you as listeners can pick up the phone. You as listeners can go to mzrt.life and you can go and support what I'm talking about because, you know, I, I, one of my friends sent me a, it was a TED Talk on uh, Simon Sinek. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. How great leaders inspire action. He said, the, the way you inspire people is the why, not the products. Because how many great products exist? How many products are, yo, you know, we're the best product. We're the best solution to the problem. And people just say, well, why? Like, why, what, you know, why are you trying to solve for that? You know? But if you can get down to the why, and the why, the reason why we're building DMM and the Superphone is because we believe that as a creator, your audience and the relationship equity you have with the people that support you, we believe that there is value in the creator's ability to own that audience. And now as startup founders, right, if you have an app, you got Mixpanel or you got Woopra or you got something else installed that's allowing you to see how your users are interacting with your app. You can see when people log in. You see how much time they're spending on specific screens and, and all of this. We as musicians, we, we, don't, we, we can't just install Mixpanel across all the platforms and say, hey, this is how much Eric Torenberg is spending you know, listening to Ryan Leslie music on Spotify. We're in the dark. We're blind. And so the reason why, just as you guys, as you're listening to this, you understand the value of having those insights. You understand how instrumental and valuable and uh, literally um, you understand how indispensable that information and knowledge is so that you can you, you do A-B testing or you, 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 know, you change a little piece of content. You, you change a little piece of content or your, or your copy or you, you change a color or you change the, the shape of a button based on how much insight you have on the way your users are interacting with your product. And, and what do we as musicians have? You know, so that's the why. That's the perfect way to, perfect way to end. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Ryan, this has been one hell of an interview, man. Yo, man, it has been, uh, man, you always invite me to do, you <laughs> know, really awesome things, man. I remember our first conversation, you know, yes. all the way to just like, you know, rap the them days. Yeah, straight up, man. <laughs> all the way to just, you know, straight up the right invitations. 
and I appreciate the time and I appreciate the platform and ability to uh, to speak to this audience, man. I have such a respect and an admiration, um, real honor, uh, honor, uh, a real honest respect and admiration for everybody that's out here that's building products that are, you know, chipping away, burning the midnight oil, staying up at night, you know, finding distributed teams, doing whatever you got to do to really solve for these challenges because I really believe that they are making the world better. Absolutely. So where can, where can people, to close, where can people, you know, the album just dropped. Uh, where can people learn more about, um, you know, you online and, and DMM and the Superphone and everything you're doing? Yeah, so it's real easy, uh, you know, um, dmm.fm, like radio, you know, dmm.fm. Uh, and, you know, I'm on all the, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Ryan Leslie on all three. But like I said, I gave you my phone number already, man. So make sure you post that. And because I've been totally transparent, I do, I'm able to, you know, I'm, I'm able to scan every single message that comes in. Uh, and so, you know, send me a text, man. Let's connect and let's, you know, let's build an incredible future together, man. We, we're in the greatest of times, in my opinion. You know, I've never been so excited about the potential uh, that disruption in the positive way can build. I mean, what disruption in a positive way can bring. Uh, so, you know, the name of my company is Disruptive Multimedia. The name of the product is the Superphone. The name of the album is MZRT, the Magnificently Zealous Renegade Takeover. It's a lifetime album, a dollar a song till the day I die, one song a month. I'll be working with new producers. I'll be introducing you to new talent. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a serious commitment. But, you know, you can cancel at any time, you know. So go ahead and go check it out, mzrt.life. Uh, and, you know, I built that, you know, I built the website myself. And, uh, you know, if you look at my latest video, it's called Designer Pain. I edited the video myself. I'm like the, you know, a serial DIYer. And I feel like there's a lot, you know, I feel, I feel like there's a kindred spirit here amongst the folks that are listening. So, man, feel free to reach out, you know, uh, and uh, let's connect and let's build and let's, let, let, let's, build a, let's build a better tomorrow. I know it sounds cliche, but I mean, y'all are out there really doing it. So feel free to reach out man, and let's do it together. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan, for taking the time, man. I will, uh, I will hang with you soon. Peace.